Would you stand and listen for the word of the Lord? This morning, reading from Exodus 33, verses 12 through 23. Moses said to the Lord, See, you have said to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now if I have found favor in your sight, show me your ways, so that I may know you and find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. He said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go, do not carry us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, unless you go with us? In this way we shall be distinct, I and your people, from every people on the face of the earth. The Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, show me your glory, I pray. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you the name, the Lord, and I'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one shall see me and live. And the Lord continued, see, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock and while my glory passes by I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by and then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back but my face shall not be seen this is the word of God for the people of God So after all that Moses has been through, he is still struggling with knowing God and God's ways. Moses still yearns for more assurance that God is present. And I thought as I read over this, isn't this true in all of our lives? That even though we have had experiences with God, so often we are still yearning for another experience of nearness. I mean, all of us have had some kind of experience. Maybe the time that we recognize God loves us, really loves us, and we responded. We had a salvation experience, believing that God was with us now and forever. But then time passes, and our feelings wane. And often we find ourselves asking, is God really here? Does God really know me? Is God really paying attention? Does God really care? Or maybe you found yourself in a challenging experience or a crisis and you prayed to God for help and committed that you would be with God always if only God would see you through and it happens And you feel ever so near to God. And then over time, the feeling begins to wane. And once again, you begin to wonder, is God there? Can I really trust God? Does God really care about me? 
or maybe you run into a challenging experience or something like this stewardship campaign that challenges you to go deeper, to trust God more, to risk a little bit more, believing that God will lead you and take care of you, and you hesitate, you have to think about it again. Do I really trust God? Can I really count on God? And so often when we find ourselves at that point, we begin to think, if only I could have another experience of God's power and presence, then I would be sure. That's a very common experience in the life of faith. And it's where we find Moses this morning. Even all these wonderful, spectacular things have happened Moses is still wanting one more experience, a little more help. You hear it in verse 13 when Moses says, Now if, if God has called Moses by name, revealed his name to Moses, led him to Egypt, led the people out of Egypt, provided for them in the wilderness, all of this has happened. They now have the Ten Commandments and Moses starts with, now, if I have found favor in your sight, show me your ways so that I may know you and find favor in your sight. Moses is still looking for another experience with God. Now, we could read this as a negative, as if Moses has lost his faith, but we might also see it as Moses wanting more, a desire for Moses to be closer to God and give more of himself to God. If we read it that way, then you can read this as a sign of growth from Moses. That Moses is growing closer to God and yet desiring even more. That Moses is growing in his ability and willingness to be a spiritual leader of the people. Last week, you remember Moses was feeling so close to God when God gets really angry and says he's ready to destroy the people. Moses stands up against God and argues in favor of the people and says, Oh no, Lord, don't do that. This would be a better way. At that point, Moses must have been feeling so very close to God. And yet today, just in the very next chapter, he's asking for an assurance that God will stay present to him and to the people. And God says, yes, you can count on it. You can be sure that I am there. And then in verse 18, Moses goes further and says, show me your glory, I pray. Again, a request to be closer to God or to See God in all of God's fullness. Now, you may remember from this story that the people have already seen the glory of the Lord or the glory of God on a couple of occasions. The text says the glory of the Lord is shown to them in the power God has over Pharaoh and Pharaoh's gods. But then also when they're out in the wilderness and they're having one of those times where they're grumbling and mumbling and not sure if they want to go with God or if God's even there. The text says that they saw the glory of the Lord as they looked toward the wilderness. So they've already had some experience with the glory of the Lord. But glory also is used as a theological term in the Hebrew Scriptures to mean 
God is sovereign. That is, God's will and God's power is unparalleled, is unsurpassed, is not contingent on any other thing. So they have seen part of this glory of the Lord, and yet Moses asks for more, wanting to see all of God's fullness. But God says, that's too much for you. That if you experience that, it would kill you, it would devastate you. Is too much for a human. You heard it in our litany and our prayer, this reference to the terrible side of God. Rudolf Otto wrote about this part of God. In his writing, he called it the mysterium tremendum, or the terrible or the tremendous mystery. He refers to this ominous side of God that's beyond our comprehension, this power that surges forth as creator, but also can surge forth at any time and is beyond our capacity to tolerate or to comprehend. You can sort of think about it as an analogy in terms of nature. We can see the beauty that nature creates. We can see the beauty of nature all around us, and it gives us such a warm and serene feeling. But we also see the terrible side of nature when a hurricane or an earthquake or a tornado comes and creates such destruction it's the terrible side the destructive side the overwhelming powerful side of nature this passage wants to give us a fuller portrait of god and reminds us not only of the warm and loving side of god but the powerful and tremendous side of god J.B. Phillips popularized an idea similar to this back in the 1960s when he wrote a book, Your God is Too Small. In the book, he writes about how so many people grow up in church and they have a childlike view of God, but as they grow into adulthood, they don't continue to grow their view or image of God. They don't continue to learn, and they find that their childhood God is too small to meet their needs as an adult. Theologically, the Judeo-Christian tradition has said, by definition, that God is infinite. That is beyond comprehension for finite beings. In our text today, it refers to this as the glory of the Lord. And it says that if you get that close to that side of God, it will overwhelm you unto death. Not as a punishment, but as a reality to distinguish humans from God. It's saying there's a bigger difference than you might think between all of whom God is and what you can comprehend. Yet Moses asked for this very thing nonetheless. But God says, no, it would be too much. But then God does another thing. God promises three other things to Moses and the people. I want to look at each of them briefly before we finish today. In verse 14, God says to Moses, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. My presence 
will go with you. So for Moses and for all of us who yearn for the closeness or intimacy with God, God is saying, I am there and I will be there. For all of us who yearn for more of that, we have this biblical promise that God will be with us. God will be with us. You find it not only in the Hebrew Scriptures, but you find it throughout the Christian Scriptures as well. You remember in Gospels like Matthew, when Jesus is born, one of the names given to Jesus is Emmanuel. Remember what that means. God is with us. But it's throughout the Gospels. By the time you get to the end, you have the scene. This is a post-resurrection appearance where Jesus appears to the disciples and says, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age. This whole notion that God is close to us is a promise throughout Scripture. It's a promise you can count on. Then the second promise is that I will give you rest. Now for a group of people who have been slaves, who have been worked nearly to death, maybe some of their comrades to death from sunup to sundown, day in and day out, a promise of one who's taking care of us and cares about our rest is such a blessed promise. It's such a blessing that God is offering to these people. And again, you hear it in the Gospels. There's that place where Jesus is teaching people. And remember, he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, or in other translations, carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you what? Rest. And I will give you rest and even today if you're struggling with a physical illness before very long you feel the fatigue and you yearn for rest and relief or if you're a caregiver for one who has a physical or mental illness you know before very long caregiving is so debilitating it can be so trying it can be so wearing that we find ourselves praying to God for help and relief Oh, God, could I have a little rest? And the biblical promise says, yes, God will provide for you rest. Or maybe you're working long hours right now, or working six or seven days a week, and you yearn for rest. God provides for that. When you live in God's way, rest is provided. You can count on it. The third promise comes in verse 19. God says to Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you the name the Lord and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And this passage is an extension of the revelation that God gave to Moses back in the early part of this book when God calls Moses remember it's through a bush that is burning but not being consumed and Moses asks for God's name and God says I am who I am or I will be who I will be and now this is an extension of that experience where God is revealing more of the divine character to Moses and the people it's an extension of this idea of being or I am 
this passage is an elaboration of who God is, of God's being, which is goodness, characterized by grace and mercy. God reveals here that the nature of the divine is goodness and characterized by grace and mercy. God is saying, you may not comprehend all of who I am, but you can be sure of this. At the core, you're going to experience with me goodness and grace and mercy all the days of your life. And once again, you hear it in the Christian scriptures when Jesus is speaking and teaching so many of these themes we hear in the Hebrew scriptures get elucidated here. Maybe you recognize this passage out of Matthew 7 where Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And then hear this. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Exclamation point. Jesus is affirming this same promise we hear out of this Exodus story that God wants to give us and is giving us good things, that God is at work for good in our lives. You can count on it. That's why stewardship decisions are spiritual decisions. It's not just about how much money you have or feel like you don't have. It has to do with how much you trust God. Do you believe that God's ways are the best way to live your life? Or do you think you've come up with something better? For Christians, the question is, do we believe we can count on God? Do we believe we can trust God? Do we believe that God will provide as God says? Is God's way the best way to life? We make progress in our life of faith when we come to believe that we can count on God. Moses is learning that lesson as we travel with him through this Exodus saga. We hear today that what's going to make these people distinctive is that they're going to learn they can count on God because God is with them. Hear the good news, my friends. God is present. God is able. God is trustworthy. You can count on it. Thanks be to God. Amen.